Thank you, Eddie. And thank you, Liz. Elizabeth, we appreciate what you've done there. We really appreciate all that you uh, do in this area with us. And again, an official good to have you back with us. Amen? Um, we are, again, coming to the second part of what we're talking about um, when we're talking about abiding in the inner circle. So let's bow in prayer. Father, it's my prayer. Thank you for our time together. And thank you, Lord, for helping me to understand. Sometimes it's so easy to read over words for years and not really reading the words. Help us as a congregation to read the words so that the rest of the passage makes sense. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the saints said. So let me uh, get this going here. We're in abiding in the inner circle part two. And um, it, it was from 12 to 17, but we covered that first part. So we're now from 14 to 17. And as we deal with that, John uh, uh, 15, 12 said this. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. It's easy that we just read right over that. That's why we have to go to class on just this. Uh, but I'll review, uh, defining the term. When we talk about this whole idea of the inner circle, it's being in the position of being in a total submission, self-denial, and a life totally committed to follow and finish what God had purposed for each of us in our lives. So the moment that we are saved and we are placed in the inner circle, then God expects us to totally obey him. There are no excuses. He doesn't care how you feel or what you think obey him that's how angels you know you do think angels say lord you know i think no the angels just go and they obey god okay every every creature obeys god but man okay and so we go on remember these uh emphasis now the first one is this there's a vast difference between being with jesus and in his inner circle and we talked about last week about the fact that judas was with jesus all that time, but he was never in the inner circle. And what Jesus had to say, Jesus washed his feet. He uh, ate with them and everything else. Then he went through the storm, everything else. But after Judas left, this is when Jesus Christ started talking to the disciples and started talking to them on a very, uh, very precious and intimate uh, level because now he's talking to guys who are in the inner circle. And so uh, it's a very important question referring to God. Which word should be used first? These are preliminary things in order to understand the verse. Um, so I, I put these words before you. Command or holy. Which word comes first? Command or holy. 
How many will say command? How many will say holy? Because you see, if we don't understand this, uh, and I will, I will suggest to you, not only suggest, I will say to you, here's the correct and the only way it is. You see, a command is only an object coming from whoever, whatever it comes from the individual. In other words, a child can come in and say, I want all of you all to stand up. Do you think that you would stand up if a child came in here and told you to stand up? <laughs> okay. But you see, but if you, if the Lord says, I want everyone in this room to stand up. Do you think everybody would be standing up in this room? Same command, right? But the difference is the command came from the source. And the source, and the source enforces the power of the command. Everybody with me so far? So then when Jesus Christ says, this is my command, he's saying it's coming from me. Now we have to go back and say, well, who are you? <laughs> you, you see, if he's not God, then he's just another man suggesting something. You see, and he, so that's why if you feel, and the thing about it is, this is, listen to the world. That's why the world puts down the word holy. They will say, holy cow. You know, or that child is a holy terror. They're, they're talking about, you know, the guy now saying this is a holy fire. Or they'll say it's a holy war. When I came home from the service years ago and, and uh, Batman and Robin, and every, everywhere he was holy this and holy. I said, what? What? Uh, you know, but everything he said was holy, holy. And they didn't understand that that word talks about the very essence of God. And because it talks about the very essence of God, when a holy God, I'll tell you how important holy is, God have created angels where the seraphims and the cherubims, all they do is say what? Holy, holy, holy. He's high and lifted up. He says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And these angels, they were flying back and forth. And this is, this is their job right now. That's all they say about God. Holy, holy, holy. And he still doesn't get enough of it. That's because that's who he is. And Jesus Christ is a part of the Godhead. And Jesus Christ is holy. So when he says, I command you, then holiness is saying, I'm telling you, this is what you're supposed to do. You get a picture now? So when we read a verse of scripture, you don't have a choice and talk about, well, I, no, I think that it's from the, you know, the Latin word. Look, here's what the Lord says. I'm telling you to forgive. I don't feel. The Lord says, I'm telling you to forgive. I'm telling you to pray. I'm telling you, you see. Now, if you don't obey God, then you have to suffer the consequences. That's what the children call or other better known as the consequences. You have to sell, you have to deal with the consequences of all of the things that goes on there. And so you find, now follow me, as we now since we have the sense of the word, 
Watch how, if you read the, the verses on from that point on, how many times the word command, and I command you, command you. He didn't say, I ask you. He said, I command you. Jesus Christ, God, they never ask us to do anything. He always tell us to do. Okay. And because that is, that's in place, we have to be very careful. The holiness of God has been minimized to a word of convenience, stripping and disregarding its importance. So because we've done that, we uh, are clarifying our thoughts for this morning then. There are two more things we need to consider concerning Jesus' solemn words to his disciples. The, the, the outline then from that will be uh, this. And that is his changes, verses 14 and 15. And then his choice, verse 16 and 17. So let's move right into it. The first thing we go to, his changes. As we look at verse 14 and 15, then we uh, look at what it has to say here. You are my friends if you do what? <laughs> there you go. If you do what I command you. If you, do not, if you do what I command you, you are my friends. Which means what? If you don't do what uh, I command you, you're not my friends. Remember what it says? In that day, a lot of folks will say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this? And didn't we do this? And didn't we do this? And the Lord will say, I never knew you. I never, there was never a point that I knew you. The first thing in getting to know God is to do what he says. John 15, 15. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all that I have heard. Uh, I have heard from the Father I have made known to you. So he's saying everything I'm saying. I'm not saying anything apart from myself. I'm speaking on God's behalf. Who is what? He's holy. He's what? He's what? He says, everything I receive from the Father, I'm telling you. And he says, so all that I have here, so I, so I no longer, you're no longer now. You guys, you 11 guys, I will no longer call servants. You are in the inner circle. And because you are in the inner circle, I won't call you servant. See, I will call you friends. Boy, isn't that great? When you're in the inner circle, uh, then we, now we can see what a friend we have in Jesus. See, we know now that all our sins he, he bears because what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. I'm so glad that I'm in the inner circle. I, I, I hope you're glad too. I hope you praise the Lord. Lord, I'm glad I'm in the inner circle. See. So he says, I call you your friend. And so he, two things very, um, were made uh, clear. Number one, the emphasis on obedience. If you do what I command you. He says, now, he's telling this to his disciples. All of the, uh, all of the training now, 
No more miracle, guys. There, you won't see any more miracles now. No more or further teaching. I've shared with you everything that you're supposed to know. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to carry it out. I want you to carry out the command. Because once you carry out God's command, then you glorify God. And that's when you start bearing fruit. And when you bear fruit, you glorify God. Your joy is full. You prove that you are a Christ's disciples. Uh, according to John, the 15th chapter, start with verse 8. He says, you, you prove that you are my disciples. You, you glorify the, the Father. Your joy is full. He says, when you do this, you're bearing fruit. And, and you start bearing much fruit as a result of it. But our biggest struggle today is not what you do with your hand. It's what you do with your heart. And that's why this, this morning... Our biggest struggle today is not what we do with our hands. It's not, quote, ministries. And a lot of no, distresses, got to do this ministry, had to do this ministry. No, your first responsibility is obey God. Okay. And the first thing he tells you in obeying God is your relationship with others. And so the first thing you're going to deal with is, number one, He's going to put your attitude up here. Now, how's, how's your attitude? What did God say about our attitudes? Be ye angry, but what? Don't sin. Uh, th that's why when I put some things up there, like, like for instance, uh, am I an angry person? Okay. Then the question is, what am I going to do with it? It's unacceptable to God. He does not want us to be angry people. Things may make us angry, but anger should not be a part of our vocabulary. We should not have people pushing our buttons because they say, well, that's just the way I am. No, 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 no. Remember what I said earlier? There's a difference between being sinless and sinning less. And believers, when you're saved, you sin Less. There's no such thing as a believer being sinless. Okay. You're declared righteous positionally. And then every day, as you battle the flesh, the world of flesh and the devil, you learn how to become sinless every day. Everybody with me so far? See. And so then, so, so then he says, these things, I'm saying this to you. Now, if you understand these principles, have you noticed that he has not given them anything to do yet? He has not uh, gave, uh, given them any assignments. He said, I want you to be clear on the commands and what I want you to do about loving one another. I don't want you to start doing a whole lot of stuff and don't understand what I want you to do in relationship. Everything he's taught, talked about up to this point, do you see this, is relational. You cannot do ministry without Relational. Starting with God. And then when it comes down to uh, your ministry to others. Uh, this, this week has been really challenging. Um, as, I, uh, as I mentioned before. And 
uh, one of the families I'm, I'm dealing with and uh, the fact of meeting them and how it's affecting, uh, it's affecting three generations and it's spreading. And the person said, we need to stop it. And I said, well, it's too many of you all. I said, maybe we can meet at the outreach center, you know, let's, let's talk. I said, uh, are you available? I said, you tell me. We need to stop this thing. We need to stop it. And the first thing I'm going to look at is not the blame and shame. I said, we're not going to get into the physicals. We're going to start where the real problem is. The real problem is not what he said, she said, and all these other things. We're not going there. The real problem is, are we obeying God? If we're not obeying God, then everything else that is happening flows from a disobedient spirit. Everybody with me so far? So then when, so when a person is operating out of a disobedient spirit, don't get in that ring. Don't, don't get, get into fighting and everything else. You will find yourself upset and, and bent out of shape. Don't go in that ring. Let them act crazy in that ring. Because God has called us to peace, hasn't he? Love, joy, peace. And with that he says rejoice in the Lord what? So, but how do I know I've, I've gotten out of that? You stepped into the ring. Now you can't hardly sleep. You know, can't hardly eat. And it, I told you not to get there. Step back out of the ring. You see, let them act crazy in the ring until they learn how to deal with the spiritual. Because when the Lord gives it to you, the Lord gives perfect peace. And once we start with the spiritual, it start working out in the physical. You know, you know what the real challenge is? You know, some folks say, well, are you a psychologist? No, I'm a preacher. This is what God's word says. Why should I believe you? Because you came to me. I didn't go to you. See? You're the educated one that got in your car and came to my door. So you can go on back out the door if you want to. You can either listen to God and get a change or take yourself, you know, and close the door behind you, see, and keep on in your mess. It's a choice. Everything we do is a choice. We're designed to, to rejoice in the Lord Always. Now, now I understand. You know, uh, I understand situations where you're not feeling well. Your, your body's, and, and as we get older, Arthur might slap you down. Some say, well, some of you young people say, well, who's Arthur? Just keep living. You'll find out who's Arthur. You wake up one day and you say, oh! And he says, excuse me, my name is Arthur. You know, I'll be with you for the rest of your life. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> see, but you don't see. You, see, as uh, far as you're concerned, you don't know what I'm talking about. You know, it's like you know, uh, talking in, in a different language. I'm talking in tongues right now. You watch. You gonna start talking in tongues too. But uh, this whole idea of uh, understanding, there's a point where we walk with the Lord, and the Lord is saying, "Here's what I want you to do. Obey me." Now, once we have established the fact that God is holy. And because God is holy, whenever you see I or my, you're talking about a holy God, then that's where command, then the power of the command deals with what it's flowing from or who it's flowing from. He says, I am a holy God. So he says, I command you. 
Now, with that said, then he, he, he could, he's able to move on. The obvious change from, uh, this, uh, from servant to friends, greater accessibility, greater information, greater level, level of intimacy, greater level of exposure. He says, you're my friend. See, what, what happened is this, that when, when you are, uh, when, when couples come in for counseling, I said, uh, are you our friends? And they said, oh, yeah, Pastor, well, we're friends. I said, on what level? I said, what do you mean, what level? I said, there's five levels of friendship. And I started talking about the, the five levels of friendship, you know, the, the casual acquaintance, acquaintance, and, and friends, and close friends, and intimate friends. I said, there's five levels of friendship. And on each one of the levels, how you give information. You don't give your information to somebody off the street. The closer they are, the more you share. The Lord says, when you are my friends, I'm sharing my heart with you. I'm giving everything to you. I'm laying it out. Both other folks are, are scratching their head. They don't know what you're talking about. But you do. You're rejoicing. You have peace. You have directions. And some of you say, well, I, I really don't have direction in this area. It says, if you don't understand, if you don't understand this, ask God. That, that's what it says in, in James. If you lack wisdom, what are you supposed to do? Ask God. Yeah, that's all right, Lord. I can handle it myself. Okay, then handle it yourself. With your confused self, go handle it yourself. See? Take some aspirins and everything else, get a headache. But sooner or later, you're going to ask God, and he solves it just like that. Because he has your whole life planned out. He knows all of your deep valleys and your deep disappointments. And in those deep disappointments, that's where you need the power. In your deep disappointment, that's where you need that love. In that deep disappointment, that's where you need the sound mind. Two options changes coming from serving friends, and that when we talk about that, the great accessibility and, and the others. And so, um, responsibility, then responsibility and accountability. Responsibility, accountability. Uh, these are important. The obvious change from a servant to friend accessibility, information, level of intimacy, exposure, responsibility, and then God's going to hold you accountable. We all must stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account. Now, let's, let's go on. His choice. Now we go to the, the third part that kind of uh, wrap things up. And he, when he talks about the third part, it says, now that you guys understand that, that what I, I'm doing here, it says, you did not choose me, but I what? And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Okay, so then we, we break it down uh, to our final factors then. Consider these three factors connected to this choice. Number one, he was selective. You did not choose me, but I chose you, appointed you. 
when you decided for Christ to come into your life, it's because God opened your eyes and you realized that you were a sinner and that you couldn't save yourself. The moment that you realized that you were a sinner and you could not save yourself, the moment that you realized that, you, that, um, that God is who he is and that you needed him, and the moment that you asked and believed that Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary for your sins and trusted that through his blood that he shed for your sins, that you'll be washed whiter than snow and be made a part of the family. And that's why, that's why Jesus Christ said, no man comes unto the Father except the Father what? draws him. No one just walks into Jesus. That's why I feel sorry for the folks who are going to say, I'm, well, I'm going to wait till I'm about such and such age, and then I'm going to wait till almost when I'm on my dying bed, and right at that point I'm going to say, Jesus, no, forgive me, and then the Lord's going to forgive me, and, um, and, I'll, and I'll go right on into heaven. He gets all the way to that point, and all of a sudden he says, speak, Lord, he says, thou fool. Tonight, your soul is required of thee. You wasted your life. You spurned my commandments. You said no when I told you to do this. You put me off in your quiet time. You put me off when you people that made decisions. You kept putting me off. And because of this, you kept putting me down. Now I'm shutting you out. It's over. It's over. And so he did not, we, you did not choose me. I, remember that word I? Who's I? Jesus, and, and Jesus is God. I is Jesus. Jesus is God. It says God before it chose you. The God that put the, the universe into existence. The God that had myriads of angels. The God that have laid out our eternity. It's almost like looking at the sand, going to the sand on the beach. And when you walk on the sand on the, on the beach, you decided that out of all the sand, you decided to pick up this grain of sand right there. And the sand said, why did you pick me? I look like all the others said, because I wanted to. And because I wanted to, you'll no longer be with the rest of them. I got, I got a little box for you. I'm going to put you in. I'm going to do a little something, something with you. Because I chose you. God chose you. Don't let anyone make you feel you're anything less than what he called you to. He was specific. Let's read it. That you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. So the whole idea is this, that your fruit should have, I said remain because other pastor scriptures, but it abide, uh, uh, remain, abide. So then it says, listen, you bear fruit and your fruit should abide. That it will stay there. It won't rot. 
it will be productive. You'll bear fruit, it'll abide, it'll stick there. Trees do never bear, does not bear fruit for its purpose of eating it. I've never seen a tree eat its fruit. The purpose of the, of the tree, purpose of the tree is to produce fruit. And others are able to eat from it. But the moment that you eat from it, the tree keeps producing more and more and more. And he shall be like a tree planted by the what? Rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in the season. <laughs> then he goes on to say, it was sure. Notice what it says. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. You see the bottom line? Some folks go to the 16th verse and skip over everything else. Don't they? They call it the name it and claim it group. They, th they go through scripture and they find scriptures that, that sounds good and everything else. And then they do the little dance because they read this a little bit. And when they read this a little bit, they, boy, they're so, they, they praise the Lord for it. And they're so thankful for it. They read this and said, oh, God, we're so thankful for what we have read. It just thrilled my heart. And I'm going to name it and claim it. I'm going to claim it before I see it. Thank you, Lord. I'm, and the Lord says, you better go back. And read these other verses. The first one is the word I, God. The second is I have a command for you to follow. Then I have a job for you to do. I want you to produce. Now after you start doing what I told you to do. Then whatever you ask in my name. I'll give it to you. See, when you're walking with God that close, then you won't ask for crazy things. Okay? Because, you know, we, we're, we have a tendency to start asking for some crazy stuff. And we know that it's going to ride on us and fall apart on us. And, uh, but when we start walking with God, we start asking for things that has more substance to it. That's a blessing. Are there some, some, something that you have bought that you have not used in years? Is, is that embarrassing? Huh? I was doing the inventories and stuff, and I said, oh, whoa. I said, I haven't taken this one out of the box yet. But at the time, though, man, I, I need to get this, you know, on eBay. Boy, I need to get this bad rascal. You know, I'm gonna get it. And, and the mailman going to bring it on in and everything. Else. Got it in and put it down and been sitting here in that spot for all this time. And this too shall pass. And meanwhile, the Lord says, okay, now let's see you be that enthusiastic about the word. I want you to start picking up God's word. And I want you to understand it's when it's God's word, that means my command. And it says, Lord, oh, how I love thy law. I just love it. And I trust that that's where we start doing in our own lives. So that as we come to this whole thing about one last thing. Being very patient. One last thing. Let us not repeat history by repeating the serious errors of those who were freed from Egypt and chose to disobey God. 
there's a question we need to ask ourselves. Am I willing to obey God concerning everything in my life? If not, why not? Only you can answer that. That's not a condemning message. It's a wake-up call. Am I willing to obey God concerning everything in my life? If not, why not? And if you find yourself hesitating on that everything, write down what that everything that you're hesitating on. And then ask the question, why am I hesitating on this? At the Emory Avenue Church of God years ago, they had the song, Is Your All on the Altar? All on the Altar. And my prayer is that, Lord, help us to put it all, all on the altar. To be in the inner circle, that's where you have to be. To be in the inner circle, sometimes um, it might feel lonely, it might be lonely, but you're never alone. Haven't done all, what are you supposed to do? Stand. Stand there. Stand there. So he sent us to his disciples. Um, and as you begin to follow the disciples' lives, they, they, they didn't walk out of that place perfect. <laughs> um, Peter failed a couple of times and um, been caught with the... With the uh, Gentiles and some Jews showed up and he uh, kind of wavered in that area and Paul had to withstand them and, and just I mean there's there's some areas in life where um, you're still perfecting see no oh, I understand that but it's a decision that Paul says follow me as I follow Christ because he said I'm determined to know nothing among you but Christ who's crucified so as we close this morning, if, if God is speaking to your heart in that area, and he said, Lord, um, there's some things that I have not given up, that understanding that it's your command, and I need to give it up, uh, will you help me to do just that? Help me to put it all on the altar. If you're that person, I would like to pray for you this morning. Would you stand to do that if you're that person? I want to put it all on the altar, Lord. You know, it's, it's good to be honest with the Lord. It has nothing to do with Don Rackett. I'm not going to do a follow-up and uh, say, oh, this person should have stood or this person didn't stand. That's between you and the Lord. You and the Lord. My prayer is that all of us are obedient. Where there's obedience, there's blessings. And I'll say this and move on. Remember what I said before. The decisions we make today, we've already mapped out tomorrow. If you decide not to handle it today, guess what? Then the, the sprouts will begin to grow into tomorrow. And you might not be able to handle it. It's just today. And so we want, to, we want to pray for you. We definitely do. God bless you. God bless you. Father, 
We just want to thank you for each one of the saints of God. Thank you for their own personal honesty before you. You are the living God, holy, high, lifted up. Isaiah was in awe. He didn't know what to say, except, oh, wretched man. I'm a person who uh, is of unclean lips. Oh, Lord, I, I thank you that the same holy God is now our heavenly Father. You have sent your spirit into our lives since we're in the in-group. And we can say, Abba, Father. And we know, Lord, that if we confess our sins, then you are faithful and just, the holy God, to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you for that. And so, Lord, I thank you that you have here exactly who you want to make a significant difference in every area as they go back to the respective places. Lord, thank you. Great is your faithfulness. And we'll always give you the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. And all the saints said, amen. If, if you stand for the closing song, Give all, give all my service to you. Whatever you want, whatever you I give all my service to you. My family, I give all. Amen. Mm -hmm.